Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Harriet Minter, and this is the Badass Women's Hour. This week, I've tried to find news that didn't relate to either the Euros or politics, but I failed. So I'm going to talk about the Euros. Plus, I'm also talking to Michelle Elman, aka Scarred Not Scared, about her books, Boundaries and Body Image. And I answer the eternal question, what do you do when you just don't feel good enough? First up, let's talk about the Euros. Not a topic I thought I'd be talking about because, well, I know next to nothing about football and have not really ever had any interest in it. However, this year I did find myself kind of swept along by it. I think it's unsurprising that I don't have a lot of interest in football. I come from a largely female family, apart from my dad and the dog. I went to an all-girls school where they didn't teach football, so we're automatically kind of excluded from this piece of British culture. And let's face it, even though we do have a very successful women's team, which made the final of the UEFA Women's Championships in 1984 and 2009, so they're quite good, we don't really ever talk about them. So I haven't been that interested in the Euros previously. In fact, I didn't really know they were different from the World Cup, if I'm being honest. But something about this year's team and the way they have behaved and the spirit that is kind of exuding from them has really caught my heart. There's a sense that actually they are good people just trying to do a really good job. And whenever I see that in any profession, I find it completely heartwarming. But because I've done this show now for so long, and because on this show we make a point of talking about race and racism here in the UK, it was heartbreaking, but not at all surprising to me, to see the response that happened on Monday. And the thing that I found really shocking about it was that while obviously my timeline was filled with people condemning it, that wasn't how it was everywhere else. In fact, I was watching Sky Sports, again, not a usual experience for me, but it does occasionally happen, and they interviewed a guy called Steve McLaren. I don't know who he was. Apparently, he was the England manager in the mid-2000s. And they asked him as the final question, what would you say to the people that have been kind of hurling racist abuse at the players? And he just, he prevaricated He talked about how it was a need for education. He talked about how it was only a small minority of people and we mustn't let it ruin the sport. He talked about how we needed to go into schools and address the issue in schools. But he didn't actually ever say, it's appalling and these people should be prosecuted. Which is, as far as I'm concerned, the only answer to that question. And for me, that's what happens when we don't take a firm stand on something. 
there is an importance, a huge importance in empathy. And I'm going to talk about how I feel that has impacted the England team itself. But that empathy has to have limits. So we can empathise with people doing things that we don't agree with. We can say, actually, I understand where they come from. Perhaps their background has impacted this. Perhaps their experiences have impacted this. But that doesn't mean that you don't then also just turn around and say, but that is still wrong. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. It's not part of the culture that we live in. And for me, when I look at the team and what Gareth Southgate created in them, I see a group of people that have huge empathy for each other. And the importance that we can all take from that about creating teams and leadership, which is actually if we don't have empathy and we don't teach our teams to understand each other, you can't create that sense of commitment and connection, but also a real understanding of where they draw their lines and what is important to them. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I might be a little bit obsessed with Marcus Rashford. His statement on who he is and where he sees his strengths and weaknesses and what he has learned from the Euros that will change him, but also what will stay the same for him, is a really powerful one. And I urge you to go and look on his Twitter and have a read. Because what he says is that there's a place for all of us to learn and grow, but we also have to remember who we are at our heart. And I think I would like some of those people hurling that racist abuse to think about that today. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. My next guest is a classic badass. Her determined and no-nonsense and just downright funny Instagram has brought her devoted followers and her straightforward approach to looking after herself is one we can all learn from. She is the queen of boundaries and her new book teaches us how to set them. This is Michelle Ellman. Hi, so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Tell us, why is it a joy being selfish? Because I feel like we are so on board whenever it comes to self-love and self-care, but then you say selfish and people go, oh, wait, hold on, you're going too far. (laughs) The thing is, in order to actually make time for self-love and self-care, you actually do need to be selfish because if you're going to wait until you've done everything for everyone else first, you'll have no time and energy left. And so selfish, as much as it has a negative connotation, you do need to disregard someone else's needs in order to prioritize your own. So an example of that is if you need to rest on a Saturday evening, like night, <laughs> um, then you need to disregard your your boss's emails because it's 10 o'clock on a Saturday, oh, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs> I just have to rest. Therefore, I'm going to prioritize my need. And so my boss might think I'm being selfish, but it's also just reprioritizing my needs. So I absolutely hear what you're saying and I completely agree with it. But why do we find it so hard? Because it seems like the most obvious thing in the world to say, actually, I need to rest now. So I am not going to respond to that email or go out with my friend who's having a hard time or whatever it is. And yet we still say yes. Because I think particularly in women, we've been trained to give as much of ourselves as possible. And the best people in society, the selfless people, are the people who give all of themselves and don't require anything back. Because if you require anything, what do you get labelled as needy or naggy? If you have needs and you vocalise those needs, needy and naggy are the two words uh, thrown against women. Mm. And so it's become normalised that when we when we give to others, when we're a good wife, when we're a good employee, when we're a good friend, then we are of value in society and we're worthy. But actually, how about if we start defining our worth and not on based on the actions that we take? 
Do you think that you used to be a people pleaser? A hundred percent. I was the biggest pushover in the world. Why do you care so much about boundaries? <laughs> I'm a recovered pushover. How did you start to recover? Um, so it, being really honest, it started with a day that my boyfriend said that I was at his beck and call oh. and I took a moment and went, wow, not only do you know that I'm a pushover, but you have the audacity to say it to my face. And I kind of had a, you know, those moments in life where you do a like reality check on your life mm -hmm. and you go, hmm, this is not the direction I want to be going in. <laughs> and so <laughs> I kind of looked around at my life and I was like, I'm surrounded by people who treat me awfully. How the hell am I meant to have any self-esteem when even the people around me don't love and love me the way I should? It's so interesting, isn't it? Because actually we think, we think, oh, I really love you, particularly in relationships. We really, I really love you and I want the best for you and I'm going to give, give, give in order for you to have the best because I expect that you would do the same for me, right? And then we get to a point where we're like, oh, hang on, I've, I've given and given and given some more and still, still, still giving. Uh, when, when are you going to return the favour? And it just doesn't work in the way that we think it's going to. Do you well, think this is some thing. people are better at being selfish? I think men are better at being selfish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think because they've not been trained to. And I think if we actually look at the way we bring up women versus how we bring up men, that's the difference. But I also think that all relationships benefit from you taking care of yourself. And mm -hmm. when you, for example, care to your partner's emotions not only are you doing a, them a disservice because they don't learn how to take care of their own emotions but actually you're sending the implicit message that you don't believe they are capable enough themselves yeah i mean this is a really interesting thing isn't it because weirdly we're sort of insulting them by looking after them how can we it's like this learned helplessness it really is how do we have the? Because I think most people who are people pleasers, and I count myself as definitely a recovering, if not quite recovered, one of those. I don't like to upset people. You know, I don't like people to feel like I have, you know, really pointed out the massive flaw in their personality or the thing they really need to do and they're just not doing it. Um, I don't like having those awkward conversations with people. How can we do it in a way where? It, a, we feel like actually we hold our ground. Um, B, we just don't feel like it's the most horrible thing we've ever had to do. Well, I don't know if you've ever found, but when you're in those conversations and you're trying to not hurt someone's feelings, it mm -hmm. actually makes you feel really anxious because you can't control their and that their response is not your responsibility. So trying to control something that is actually out of your control is mm. a losing battle. And it's why when it comes to boundaries, I in the book I outline your six obstacles of boundary setting and one of them is very much the fear of being disliked and that comes up because when you do choose yourself it's not always going to be convenient for people around you and therefore in those moments you have to remind yourself why you're actually doing it and if you return to how you feel a lot of the time what will be underlying under that anxiety is actually or joy or pride or all of these things but you can't feel it because you're so concerned about them and their thoughts. So part of reprioritizing yourself, part of setting boundaries, is also realizing that you deserve to be the center of your own universe for a bit. 
Mm. And that in order for you to take care of others, you actually need to have a full cup or metaphor about putting the what I think on the airplane, putting your put your mask, mask on first yeah, before everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think it's really interesting because you said at the beginning that like, we talk a lot about self-care and self-love and looking after ourselves and particularly in this time of the pandemic, putting ourselves first. But what are some strategies for actually saying no to people in a way that feels good and authentic to us? So, for example, if you know our boss does email us and say we need a reply on this ASAP, how can we assert a boundary with them without getting fired? So it, with email, for example, you can reply to the email. If you don't feel comfortable ignoring it, then you can reply to the email saying, great, thank you so much for your email. I'll get back to you on Monday. Yeah. That's not you actually saying no. And that's, that's you saying, I'll get back to it when I'm on the clock. Like just because um, in a pandemic we're in our, stuck in our houses doesn't mean you get access to me 100% of just because it's kind of this mentality that because we're in our house we have nothing better to do so therefore we might as well be answering our emails but actually me wanting to sit down and watch tv choice and just because in society seen as productive doesn't mean it's not a valuable worthy use of my time Mm. and it's really interesting actually isn't it that a lot of this is about our value to society and how society values us and sees us and actually particularly as women we are taught that our value lies in how hard we work and how uh, much we give and how loving we are and how supportive we are and how pleased other people are with us how can we maybe redefine our value well I think the beautiful thing about boundaries is it sets a firm line between who you actually are and who the world wants you to be and Mm. once you start noticing it it's really hard to not notice it so for example one place where I notice it a lot now is on dating apps where men are always looking for easygoing women or (sighs) women who are spontaneous and now I see that and I'm like it's code word for you have no need and spontaneous means I'm not going to 
any plans. And when I do, it'll be last minute and I expect you to stay with that. And it's code words <laughs> like that or um, no drama. That means if you have an issue, you must not voice it. <laughs> they say no drama quite a lot on dating apps. No drama um, and no nagging, no needing. Again, the same words that are used against women. And so once to notice it, you go, wait, hold on. If that's the kind of guy I want, fine, sure right but if i want someone who when i vocalize my needs not only meets those needs but will communicate back with me if they are not able to fulfill it then i need mm. to actually start raising the bar in my life for how people treat me and that's not just romantic relationships that's family relationships that's friends that's in the workplace as well do you as you say this reminds me of a story when i was um in my 20s i had a group of friends and there was a guy in this group of friends who was notorious for kind of cycling through women quite quickly and then he met this one girl and that was it within minutes he was smitten she was the one they ended up getting married and she was brilliant and we asked her you know we said i don't know like how you did it how did you convert this absolute womanizer into this totally committed in love adorable man and she said, I don't, I don't know. And then we asked her about kind of when they first started dating. And on their second date, he had organized a second date for a Wednesday. On Tuesday, he hadn't texted her. And so she texted him and said, are we still going out? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward to it. And she said, oh, OK, where should we meet? And he said, I'm not sure. I'll let you know tomorrow. And so on the Wednesday, she turned up for this date with him. And the first thing she said to him was, look, I just want to be really clear with you. If you want to continue going out with me, you can't tell me the day before that we are going out and on the day where we're going. Because I like to plan and I like to decide what I'm going to wear and I don't want you mucking around with my weekday plans. So that's really funny because I have a very similar story in my book where a guy was saying, I'll let you know tomorrow. Like this, mm -hmm. if they can do it, they will. Yeah. So he said to me, I'll let you know tomorrow. And I was like, no, this is... I've." It was over. I just went, that doesn't work for me. Let either let me know now or I'm making other plans. And literally a direct instant response saying, All right, Miss Sassy, 3 p.m. it is. And as I write in the book, I'm like, it's not the fact his schedule changed, it's the fact that because I wouldn't accept that level of treatment, he made it a priority to book a time in. And when he came over, he was like, it's like I'd known him for two years. And it was because I just learned boundaries. And I was like, nope, this isn't, I know what works, how this works. <laughs> it means either you cancel last minute and I end up resentful, or yeah. you end up telling me so last minute that I have no time to get ready. And then I end up sitting around all day for you. I mean, how much power is that? So I was like, no, I'm deciding my schedule. Let me know now. Otherwise I'm making other plans. My world doesn't revolve. I didn't, I didn't write your, my world doesn't revolve. <laughs> um, and so, I have the exact example in the book and I just say it's a reprioritizing of uh, of you in their schedule. It's not their schedule change. And there's something really powerful about that, which is actually when we acknowledge, as you said, that we have needs. We have needs and it's okay to have them. And if you can't deal with them, you're not the person for me. When I first started, first started dating my boyfriend and he cancelled our first date, he says that he didn't. He actually absolutely did. And then he kept texting me and I just said to him, I was like, I really like chatting to you, but I'm not going to continue to chat to you if we are not definitely going out on this day and you tell me when it is. Because it creates a full sense of intimacy and I don't have time for it. He went, oh, okay. But, uh, oh, 
I also think data kind of create that culture where it's okay to cancel last minute. And just like you, I'm a person who's like, if you cancel me, like you're gonna have to convince me the second time. Yeah. Because I'm not a person who who takes my time lightly. Like my time is valuable. And so if you don't treat that, then I'll find someone who will. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, we all need to do more of it. Michelle, I absolutely love talking to you about this. I could talk to you about oh, it for it's so hours. Great. It's been so good. Um, but if you want more of Michelle's wisdom, it is in The Joy of Being Selfish. It's out now. You can tell she's got an answer for everything. Uh, but mainly that actually when we just express our needs to people, when we tell people what we need and how, they respond. It's much easier. Men and women, just tell us what you need. And then the other side knows if they can be a yes or a no to it so simple if only I'd known that when I was dating in my 20s there we go that was Michelle Elman author Instagram star and general all-round badass and for our listener problem this week we talk about being enough or not being enough the email reads I think I have imposter syndrome I have a great job and a lovely partner but I constantly feel like I'm going to lose them both or that one day my boss will realize I'm actually not good enough and my partner will leave me I know it's ridiculous and I should just let it go but instead I have constant anxiety about it what can I do? So yes, this is a bit of imposter syndrome. For anyone who doesn't know, imposter syndrome is this idea that when we get something good, we feel not quite worthy of it, as though somehow we are slightly living somebody else's life and that any moment people are going to find out and send us back to where we came from. And Brene Brown, who, as you know, I love, talks about this and she has a term for it. So she talks about this feeling of being in something really lovely and then being struck by the fear of it ending. And she calls it foreboding joy. And what she says is essentially that when we're in something really joyful, it's actually hard to just enjoy it. It's hard to just sit in that space and be like, oh, this is lovely and I'm so thrilled to be here because instantly our brain kicks into a fear mode and starts to think about what happens when we lose it or what happens when perhaps it gets taken away from us. And imposter syndrome really plays into foreboding joy. So imposter syndrome not only um, says kind of you're not good enough or you shouldn't be here but it also says and it's going to get taken away somebody is going to find you out and the real kind of trick with both of those things is to simply be in the moment so with imposter syndrome there are lots of things that you can do to help yourself out for example I make sure it's really important write down compliments or achievements when you have them so when somebody sends you something nice or tells you something good make a note of it somewhere you can find it later on when you're not feeling so good Uh, If you've got those kind of moments of joy happening and you can be in them, really relish them, like practice some mindfulness around them, take some time to really sit in them quietly and just enjoy. But also with foreboding joy, I like to remember the idea that this too shall pass. So this kind of plays into a little bit the idea of this is going to come over. But what it says, this too shall pass, is a phrase we usually use when bad things are happening, right? So something bad is happening and we say, oh, well, it'll be over at some point. Things will have to change. Um, But I also think it's really useful when good things are happening because it reminds us that, yeah, it might be over at some point. So we should enjoy it in the moment, right? And that doesn't mean that your partner is going to leave you or the boss is going to realize you're terrible and fire you. But what it does mean is that inevitably things will shift. So maybe you'll have an argument with your partner and you'll have to resolve that. Or maybe your boss will leave and you'll get another boss that you won't like as much. Whatever it is, things will shift. And so while you're in it, you need to try and enjoy it as much as you can. And very often, imposter syndrome comes from our childhood and notions we were brought up with around success and being good enough. And it's very often linked with people that have high levels of perfectionism. 
I know that well. And so if you know that that's you, I really would say please go and talk to somebody about it. Go and do some therapy around where that comes from and how you could perhaps try and get in front of it a little bit. I did a lot of CBT around this a few years ago and it really, really helped. Um, One of the things they taught me is that when you have those feelings of kind of dread or fear, they often then trigger a behavior and that behavior is often a bit self-sabotaging and then that adds to the feeling of not good enough, which then adds to the feeling of dread and fear. So instead, when you have that feeling of dread and fear, rather than going and doing something that's going to be a small form of self-sabotage, what could you do to make yourself feel a bit better? Or another way of putting that question, if your friend told you she was having those feelings of dread and fear, what would you suggest that she did? And probably with you, the answer is something along the lines of be kind to yourself, be compassionate to yourself, do something nice for yourself, remind yourself how great you are. All of those gentle, thoughtful things that we do or we encourage others to do and sometimes we forget to do ourselves. So when you feel that thought coming up, just notice it. Say, okay, I recognise this. Doesn't mean it's real. Just means that I'm a little having a moment of foreboding joy. And when that happens, what can I do to be compassionate and kind to myself right now? And that is the truly badass way. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you have, please do leave me a little message. I love to see them. It makes me really happy. Or of course, you can come and find me on social media at Harriet Minter. Come and talk to me during the week. I love to hear from you. And I have new things coming up. Announcements coming soon. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more badass guests and in-depth chat. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.